The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. The latest trends and hottest topics, love and sex, handled honestly and with passion. Here's Dr. Lori, CJAD 800. Sitting in tonight is Paris Mansouri. Welcome to Passion, a show all about sex, love, relationships. My name is Paris. I'm sitting in for Dr. Lori. She is vacationing in China, and we're excited to hear what her adventures have been like when she gets back. But for the next two weeks, I'm keeping her chair warm. And as I like to start every show when I'm filling in for her, I'm not an expert in sexuality. I'm not a doctor like she is. So when she's away, I bring in the experts and we continue the conversation while I ask the questions from a novice perspective. And that also means that, you know, you guys can, not that you don't feel comfortable usually texting into Dr. Lori, but you have somebody behind the mic who's very much similar to you who's learning as we go and who probably has questions like you do. So there's no dumb question, there's no bad question, and there's zero judgment. (laughs) Absolutely no judgment, especially on a night like tonight. Tonight is a monthly feature here on Fat Passion. Uh, We talk BDSM with our alternative sex panel. Joining me tonight, Dane Stewart. He's an artist, academic, and community organizer involved with Montreal's King Communities. You can connect with him on TalkingDogProductions.ca or on a Facebook group for Montreal's human pup community called Woof MTL, which I just learned about tonight. But I suggest you connect with him on there to find out more about it. Also in studio are... Voices that you have heard every month here almost since 2012. We've got Pierre and Catherine from BDSMCircle.com or CircleBDSM.com. If you recognize their names, it's because they're also part of a reality documentary called Kink and other TV projects on Music Plus, Discovery Channel, Canada. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> well, thank you. It's always a pleasure. I listen to you guys when you're on with Dr. Lori. And I have to say, it's obviously coming from a place, her obviously from a clinical perspective, uh, Mm -hmm. dealing with patients and you guys from the experience perspective. Now tonight you get somebody who has no perspective and questions. (laughs) And it was interesting because before the program, uh, I contacted Catherine and Pierre uh, and Dane to see if there's anything in particular they wanted to talk about. And um, Catherine suggested to discuss why somebody would become active in alternative sexuality like BDSM or in any particular fetish. And I thought that was really interesting because my I decided to prepare for the show from the line like from the perspective of somebody who's curious about it or who doesn't know anything about it and sees it but sees it right now especially after 50 shades of gray it's been so <laughs> popularized but I don't think it's been done properly or edu- people aren't educated on it properly and you can get hurt. Yeah. You can get hurt yeah. and if if you don't have the proper line of communications if you're not asking the right questions so tonight, we're going to learn the questions to ask, where to where to maybe satisfy our curiosity, and I'm hoping you guys can help. Are you up for the challenge? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Wonderful. And let's see if you can, we can make you blush or something. Oh. <laughs> I, that won't be hard. That won't be hard. I promise you. But if any of our listeners, any of you guys listening, if you have any questions, you can text us, 514-800. You can call in with your questions as well, 514-790-0800. As always, you don't have to reveal your identity. And know that this is a judgment space. So here we go. Why would someone become active in alternative sexuality like BDSM? Who wants to tackle that question? Okay, I go. 
Catherine just pointed at, at Pierre, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now you know who wears the, 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 the pants in my couple. <laughs> so go ahead. Why would someone become, uh, you know, active in alternative sexuality? Believe it or not, some people would find out that they have a need for something different. And it starts with sexuality. Sometimes it's, uh, it could be just a liking about something, a fetish. And then it goes deeper. And some people do it just because it's fun. Some other people do it because they need it. It's something that they need in their life. Uh, we often say that we're lifestyle BDSMer, and because we live uh, with the BDSM 24 hours a day, I mean, we have a dungeon at home. Uh, we have our uh, submissive that come to see us uh, when we call them, you know. Um, and this is basically the way we live. We try to get... <laughs> Catherine is dancing right now. She is. She's, she's <laughs> very happy about this lifestyle, apparently. Absolutely. I actually, mentioning that you have a, um, a dungeon at home, we had a guest on Monday night. Her name is Asa Akira. She is... Uh, a renowned adult entertainer, and she started off uh, as a sex worker, as a dominatrix in a dungeon in New York City. And somebody texted in on Monday, and I promised this person that I would ask you guys this question. Because obviously, us as a New Yorker and American, she didn't know this answer, and I clearly don't know this answer. Mm -hmm. So this was a text. It says, I want to be a dominatrix because I want and long for control. I'm so tired of men following me home, knocking at my door, expecting me to do sexual favors when they don't care about my pleasure and will not let me act out my my fantasies. Do you know of any dungeons in Montreal and what types of acts occur in dungeons? So there's a question. There's somebody who's curious about it and exploring it. Are they asking the right questions? Because on one end, I feel they're, they're talking about longing for control. And the other one is, you know, wanting to act out their fantasies. So are there fantasies as a quote unquote sub or dom? Does she just want, how does she want well, control? First is of all, dangerous? Wanting, wanting control is a very, uh, that's kind of at the basis of a dominant. Okay. Right. It's part of my personal kink is to have the authority or to be in control and get what I want and my need fulfilled and and all of that good stuff. Um, so that's that's a good basis. But yeah, I mean, you know, now the thing what she needs to do is go and go online and read. And uh, where should they go online and read? Well, our website's a our great place, a but start, there's, yeah. the, you know, that we're, we're a nonprofit site. So it's, you know, you have to be careful with some of the pro doms that their sites just kind of want to get you in there for, for money, right? You shouldn't have to pay to get information or anything like that, just to be clear. Um, and, uh, there's lots of sites where basically you're going to talk about consent and how to do it. You're, you basically want to do a lot of research first. As for dungeons in Montreal, uh, you can rent different dungeons off of uh, certain pro dobs and stuff, but you probably want to actually start a little bit slower than that. You probably want to uh, talk with a partner, find a partner. You know, there's lots and lots of things that you can do at your home um, that are BDSM or, or learning and teaching that aren't uh, necessarily at a dungeon. It, it might be kind of jumping in a little bit too much. What goes on there depends upon the dungeon. Um, most what do you them, mean? What depends? Like there's well, there's kinds. of course there's different there's um really flowery rules. ones and well, and sure, bright there's, ones and yeah, no, there's seriously. there's seriously when you there's think all of dungeons, sorts of different think, dungeons, right? But when you think of a dungeon, and and obviously I'm not thinking of a torture dungeon, I'm thinking of a sexual dungeon, and the way that you see it, it's whips and and handcuffs and sure for bondage and right. and and BDSM. But you don't think light and airy. 
Well, there are some beautiful light and airy dungeons, sure. My my dungeon's Egyptian. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, an Egyptian theme, just because I didn't want to do the stone and thing like everybody else. We are talking uh, with the BDSM panel tonight. You can text your questions at 514-800. We're going to learn more about dungeons and about alternative sexuality. Your relationships on the line. Connect with Dr. Lori now. 514-790-0800. Passion. News Talk Radio. CJAD 800. Sitting in tonight is Paris Mansouri. Welcome back to the program. This is Passion. And tonight we are talking alternative sexuality with the BDSM panel. We've got three experts in studio because if you've been tuning in, you can clearly tell I am definitely not the expert on this topic. I'm learning along with all of you. We've got Dane Stewart, who is in. He's a community organizer involved in the King community. And we also have Catherine and Pierre from BDSMcircle.com. We've been talking about dungeons and I had the sense that because there there is, uh, you know, handcuffs and and whips and you know other uh, domin you know dominatrix and dominant uh, stereotypical exactly stuff you see that in it would maybe be darker that it wouldn't be airy and you know what you see in movies there's like a, a vision that's created but you guys are saying there's different themes to dungeons and Dane during the commercial break I wish we were live on Facebook so everyone could hear the interesting conversations behind the scenes Dane you were saying that there's Montrealers don't realize that there are actually a lot of dungeons here yeah there are so when you're walking in the streets like in most neighborhoods in Montreal there are just secret dungeons <laughs> hidden <Yeah. laughs> um, so I, I mean because there's people who are interested in BDSM all over the city so there's all kinds of different locations different uh, some of them are dungeons some of them would just be you know uh, areas that facilitate sex between people that wouldn't necessarily be a dungeon um, but talking about like the atmosphere at dungeons I, I run a monthly event for the human pup community where there's a lot of BDSM there's a lot of sex but it happens at this large dungeon and there are a few uh, you know private rooms there where people go and we have like you know the the sort of stuff you'd imagine from Fifty Shades of Grey like where you can tie someone up you can throw them in a cage uh, but we also have at that venue you know a bar so people can go and get their soft drinks after they play or like a cuddle area so after you do some really intense activity you can go onto one of these couches or one of these beds and just lay and cuddle and, and do what we call aftercare with the person who you just played with where you make sure that everybody's okay after the scene check in on them so it's a it's a much more flexible space than I think people imagine uh, when they they're thinking of that dungeon that you know they saw in Fifty Shades. How can people find these? And also, not only how can they find these, but if you are looking for play and you don't have someone to play with, there has to be a chemistry. I mean, obviously, if you're going in and there are people who are professionals, there's a trust that that individual knows what they're doing. But there has to be a sexual chemistry, no? Right. So I would say to answer the first question of how do people find these things, the internet is a great resource. Um, the app FetLife uh, is a great um, uh, application you can use for. It's called what? Uh, FetLife. How do you sp- uh, how do you spell that? F e t l i f e, as though it's like fetish life. Okay. Um, and you can connect with other kinksters, other people who have similar fetishes with you, um, and they and they also post events there, so you can find you know some of these events at dungeons. Is it like a dating? app where you talk to someone and you meet with them and then kind you of like a kinky facebook yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Um, and then uh, as far as getting into, uh, you're talking about the sexual chemistry. Within BDSM, we always tell people that, uh, you know, it should be a negotiation before you do any kind of play. So if you are worried, if you're nervous, uh, that you might not connect with someone on a sexual level, uh, it's always a good idea to meet up with that person, uh, you know, in public and have a conversation uh, with them before you, you know, meet them in the, the privacy of a dungeon or their bedroom or somewhere where you don't have a... Catherine and Pierre, you run a dungeon. How how does it function for you if somebody contacts you via BDSM Circle? Is that how it would be? So, no, 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 how not at all. Work? It's a private dungeon. Oh, okay. That's for our own use. Our own use. Okay. Um, it's it's not um, for rent or anything like that. Okay. Um, because I'm not a um, uh, a financial dom or a dominatrix that would charge money. Okay. Right. It's it's so it's it's like this is a private. Most of um. Well, not most of our friends. Many of our friends also have their own dungeons. Okay. Um, so we'll, um, like, visit back and forth and have different, like, parties. Okay. Right? So there's, like, a, a group. And and there's, like, several groups like this. Like, as Dane was saying, there there's a lot of dungeons. A lot of people have dungeons or they have um, spaces in their house that they can convert into a dungeon when, the, you know, the kids are at grandma's for the weekend. Right. So the living, you know, out comes the St. Andrew's uh, cross or the, you know, the the dungeon furniture that looks like something else or a Halloween prop. Um, and for when the kids are away. And, and so there's lots of of spaces like that. Right. OK. We're talking with our alternative sexuality panel. We're discussing BDSM, discovering about dungeons in Montreal and how they're much more prevalent than than many of us realize, but also learning about it in the sense of a new person or somebody who's just discovering it and wanting to learn more and really not knowing where to start. So in terms of discovering what your fetishes are and what you want to experiment with, how would you go about doing that? Well, you first of all, again, the Internet. OK. Go on the internet. But the internet is one thing. You can search it, but if you no, haven't but you experienced know what? it. Chat with people. Talk okay. with people. Um, do the research. Do the research. You know, find out what just makes you pause. Look through Look through kink and, and different porn stuff and what makes you pause. And everybody knows what I mean by that. That one picture that, you know, flashback, you go, oh. And you stop on that one for a second. Okay. So it's like an instinctual. It really is. Okay. And, and it will develop. And, you know, you have to remember that nobody starts off with a dungeon. Everybody starts off with, like, in degrees. Okay. And very importantly, what is your erotic fantasy? Why do you want to do this? It's quite important because this is going to answer you all what you're going to actually do, what, how you're going to do it. Okay. There's many ways to do S&M. There's many ways to do bondage. There's many types of relationship. Uh, Dane is into a specialized relationship. We can talk about <laughs> uh, the, the daddy and the little girl or the, the school teacher the, the, and, and the, the student. or I mean, you, all sorts of different role plays. There's all sorts of this. So this, you have to talk. You have to do the research. What makes you, what excites you? Okay. Yeah. We have a texter who wants to know how much a session costs. Okay. That's something. You, and, and we, we kind of touched this before. It depends on We were talking about dominatrix, okay? We are what we call lifestyle player. We build relationship with people who have the same need that we do, and we usually play with them for years. A dominatrix is basically a sexual worker. 
the lady that texted you earlier, she wanted to have more control on her life, more control on her sexual life. I'm sorry to say that when you're a dominatrix, your customer tell you what they want. Even yes. if it's not your cup of tea, you have to give them what they want because... They're paying for it. They're paying for service. So you find it with the kink is, I'll tell you, you don't want to go with the cheapest. You want to go with someone who's been around for a few years because it's dangerous. You don't want somebody that comes to you. You, uh, because, you know, this is most likely someone who just wants to make a buck. Hey, I'll make a quick buck beating somebody. You know, there's there's a lot of uh, technical know-how. And I'm going to tell you, if you want a proper uh, female dom, and when I say a proper one with experience, it's going to be safe, you need to pay for it. Because what she, um, her, just her clothes are going to be costing a lot of money. Her dungeon, her space, and you need to pay for it as well as her service. So, can we give a ballpark of what that range would be? Oh, there's. I'd say anywhere from a hundred to three hundred dollars an oh, hour. Oh no, more, more than that, more than that. Yeah, okay, that's a few years ago. So. <laughs> inflation. Yeah, inflation. inflation. Okay. A good so, dungeon that has a, a good dominatrix that have a good dungeon could easily be five hundred dollars per hour. Yeah, some okay. of them. We have a, a texture who has, uh, you know, a little bit of a personal story. They say, I have a dom side and a sub side. I enjoyed being tied up at the Salon de Passion et d'Amour. I recommend to anyone who's curious to check it out. It comes to Montreal every year at the Palais des Congrès um, in late January, February. Dr. Laurie actually has a booth there, so definitely check it out. We have um, another question is, how do you get an understanding for your pain threshold without going over it? You try. <laughs> there's safe words. First of all, there's safe words. Okay. And there's something called a slow word. And so what it is, it's a good dom isn't just going to, you know, your first time just start wailing away. I mean, let's say they're giving you a spanking. They're going to start off, you know, fairly gentle, see how you're handling it. Then they're going to increase it a little bit. And everybody can do a little test at home, which is a, a fun little test, is just start, take on your forehand arm and just start hitting it. And you do that for a few minutes, you do that for two minutes, and then you can hit much harder. And it doesn't hurt because you start to get like the, the numbness and the endorphins there. Yeah. And, and then that brings on the next question because if you don't feel the pain anymore and then they kind of go over it, you can get up, end up with bruises. So what, well, how do you keep from getting bruises and marks from ropes, handcuffs, hitting? Okay. Hit. Okay. You, you answer? Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah. The, well, first of all, ropes, thick is better. You all, and by that little tiny, like the thinner the rope is, the more likely it's going to leave a mark. And cut into your skin? And cut into the skin. Okay. And ropes should not leave bruises and marks if they're done properly. You can also do things like, um, uh, put like a cushion under, underneath. An old nylon, uh, uh, a nylon, a nylon or something, and it shouldn't be that tight that um, it cuts any circulation or the body parts get cold or anything like that. They should be uh, loose but uh, restraining. Okay. Yeah, and I would say for people who are first getting involved with this, a really important component to to experiencing it safely is finding somebody who you can really trust with this experience. Yes. Uh, if you don't have that much experience and you are worried about getting hurt or getting bruised in it, you need to find someone who is going to be able to communicate with you. Um, and like Catherine said, in when I do any sort of uh, impact play where people are hitting me, um, we usually use a, a three-tiered system where uh, I can give a hand signal that means keep going, a hand signal that means 
means keep going, but like be aware that you're getting close to the end. And then also a hand signal that means stop immediately. We are talking alternative sexuality with our BDSM panel tonight on Passion. News is next. We're coming up on 1030. And coming up, we're going to continue the conversation and discover some of the questions you should be asking a partner before you get involved in role play. You're listening to Passion on CJAD 800. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. From the pleasure to the pain and everything in between. Passion with Dr. Lori. News Talk Radio. CJAD 800. Sitting in tonight is Paris Mansouri. Welcome back to the program. I am Paris. Dr. Lori's on vacation for the next two weeks, and I have the privilege of sitting in for her. As I've been mentioning multiple times during the show, I'm not a doctor. I don't specialize in sexuality like she does. So when she's away, I bring in the experts who know the topics better than me, and I get to ask the questions, and I get to ask them the questions you have, and together we will learn. Tonight uh, is the Alternative Sexuality Panel. We are talking BDSM, and we're taking your questions as well, 514-800, if you want to text them in. We have Catherine and Pierre from BDSMCircle.com. They're here every month. Welcome. Again, it's so much fun. <laughs> and we have Dean Stewart as well. He is a community organizer involved with Montreal's Kink Communities. And uh, you guys have been awesome answering all these questions. We have one coming in. It says, I think, uh, no, it says, hey, doc, uh, and I'm not a doctor again. <laughs> it says, last Sunday, me and my girl went for the first time in our lives at a swingers club. And I must say, we really, really got turned on. It was so exciting to perform in front of so many people. We thought it would be weird at first that that people would be very pushy, but instead we found out that people were very respectful of the no. And we were content just to watch, which was very, very exciting. We've already tried with an extra person, another woman, and we enjoyed it also, but we knew the, uh, the person. What are the risks of also doing it with a random stranger at a place like that? Anyone want to take that well, question? Well, first of all, you have... You know, to worry about any sexual diseases. You also have to worry about this person's uh, mental state, same as you would if you were doing it anywhere with somebody, that uh, a new person, you know, first of all. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to pile onto that a little bit and remind people that uh, in our current day and age, we also have access to a wonderful new drug called PrEP or Truvada, which prevents the transmission of HIV. I think a lot of people still haven't heard about this, but it's a once daily pill that you can... Am I a spokesperson for, for Big Pharma right now? I sound like it. But there's a once daily pill that if you are engaging in, you know, going to sex parties, going to swingers clubs, whatever, you can get prescribed this pill, take it, and uh, with that, you you have no risk of uh, of uh, contracting HIV. Yeah, you still have the other diseases there are to, worry, diseases about, to but, worry about, but, you know. Be careful. <laughs> yes. We have another question that says, is it known in the BDSM community that someone purposely uses their teeth to chafe the skin of a penis during oral sex? This happened to me several years ago and was quite traumatic and hard to recover when I had to forcefully stop the guy. Is this part of a sexual desire that I'm not aware of? 
So I would say that in the BDSM community, there are a lot of people who are going to have a lot of different uh, kinks and desires. Maybe that is one for somebody. However, I would say that this is absolutely not healthy BDSM. At the core of healthy BDSM, there is always negotiation, communication, and consent. And obviously in this case, if this is something that uh, this texter did not consent to, then there wasn't negotiation and the consent wasn't adhered to. um, And therefore by my standards it doesn't it doesn't qualify as healthy bdsm so what are the questions what are the questions that you should be asking i mean you're talking about a contract so let's say it's a couple who wants to explore um they're not at the contract phase you know it's just they're just learning to discover it and they've just opened up to each other about wanting to um discover this together there's checklists okay which are are, very useful for you know your basic beginning negotiation and um I mean, of course, let me start at the very beginning with uh, clear consent and a safe word. And and a safe word often includes a, a go and a slow word. And a go word, it can be something like, you know, people use like the, the colors of the stoplight. So green will be, yeah, yeah, Dom, who's who's got me tied up. This is just great. I'm loving it. Keep going more, more, more. And then there's a slow word, which could mean, you know, I'm, Okay, now this is good, but I'm, I'm getting where I'm, now I'm getting to my limit. This is, this is good, but I don't want, you know, too much more. And then you've got red, which is stop, cut the damn ropes, (laughs) you know, or there's something wrong or I can't breathe or it's, it's an emergency. Okay. How soon is this setting the limits conversation before you engage in anything? Absolutely. Always. And even if you play and after the play, you keep negotiating. What did you like? What you dislike? Okay, is there something we should have done differently? You have to talk. Uh, the aftercare. Uh, Dane was talking about the aftercare. It's really important to follow that person. If I play as a dumb with a lady that is submissive, if I play hard after that, I'm going to be extra careful to make sure that she's going to, uh, if I can say it like this, land uh, nicely and not roughly you know she will not have like uh, a reaction from what oh, we the did. endorphins are going in you it's it's it can be a little bit almost like being drunk and you want to cut or 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 almost stoned a little bit like in a, a happy euphoric state but you can also crash so the the aftercare and the cuddling which dana mentioned is like super super important to make it a positive experience uh, I would say also if, if when you're first figuring things out, uh, one of my first doms uh, early early in our relationship before we did any playing, uh, he made me write out a two page essay explaining why I wanted to play with him, what sort of things that we wanted to do. And initially I thought that it was a ridiculous thing to do, but afterwards I realized it made me reflect, realize exactly what I wanted to get out of the experience, and then gave him all of the vocabulary, all of the things that I was looking to explore. So we really had that as a foundation for our conversation about, you know, what do I want to try? What might my limits be? Um, so if you're first getting into it, it might seem ridiculous, but take a take a night and just do some journal about what you want to experience and you might learn a lot that negotiation is extremely important you know what do you like why do you want to do it 
We're talking with our BDSM panel. More questions you should be asking your partner if you're curious about exploring um, your kinky side. You're listening to Passion Run every weeknight from 10 to 11 p.m. talking love, sex, and relationships. You can still text in your questions, 514-800. It's Sex Out Loud, and you're welcome to listen in. Passion on CJAD 800. Sitting in tonight is Paris Mansouri. Welcome back to the program. We have been talking BDSM all night long. Uh, we or not all night long during the past <laughs> hour uh, of the show <laughs> we have Catherine and Pierre from BDSMcircle.com and we have uh, Dane Stewart as well and you know there's if you want to get in your questions it's there's just a bit of time left 514-800 if you want to text us we have somebody who texted in saying is it submissive to want to be slapped and choked during relations there's um, right now there's a lot of young adults that have their uh, sexual education from porn on the internet there's a reason when somebody wants to be slapped or somebody wants to be choked. But right now, it seems to be the uh, flavor of the month or of the, the, the year, whatever you want to call it. They do it and they don't understand why they're doing it. Yes, there is an exchange of power. Some people want to really, you know, you're a dominant and I'm going to allow you to breathe. Uh, and it could be, it could go to that far. But if you put it that far, you have to know what you're doing, you have to negotiate with somebody who's willing to do something like this too. So it's not just okay. Um, I'm, we're going to have a, we're going to make love, and I'm going to choke you. It's like it, it goes a lot further than that. Same thing for the slapping. Uh, there's a way to slap somebody. There's places where you can slap. There's places where you shouldn't slap. It, it's all about doing the research, doing what to know what you're doing, to know what you want. What happens if you think, you you know, you've done all your research, you've gone into it, you've, um, you know, you've played a few times, but then all of a sudden you go beyond, whether it's psychologically, whether it's physically. And then after the fact, when you've come down from the high and, and you kind of sit with yourself and you're like, you know what? I didn't like that. And it's my fault because I'm the one who said he could do it or she could do it. And I'm not. How do you how does one well, deal with that? First of all, if you say, yes, you can, you can we, we're going to do this and it doesn't feel good. You stop it. You you got to stop it. You right, you have to have after the fact, after you regret, the fact then you, you know that? what? That's something you need to both talk about. In fact, part of the aftercare is talking about the scene and and the good and the bad. And in real life, no matter how good a dom or dominant is or the, the submissive is or how experienced, every once in a while you can have something that didn't click. You were you were too hot, you had a cold that day, you were tired, you just weren't in the mood, you were you just couldn't get in the headspace and it wasn't a great scene. And you have to talk about these so that you can avoid to do that in the future so that the dominant can see the signs that, um, and part of what a, a dominant does is, is they trust the submissive to let them know when the, the submissives had enough. And, and it's sometimes as a dominance is difficult because if you don't get a, a sub that is, is communicating with you, um, you, you know, it's know really happening. hard to know, is it okay what I'm doing? Yeah, and at, I mean, as a sub myself, it it took a little while to get used to that feeling of of uh, telling somebody, you know, breaking a scene to be like, I need you to stop this right now. Um, but uh, at, after after it happened a couple of times, you realize that your dominant is going to be so much 
happier if you stop them and you get out of an uncomfortable situation than if you keep moving through it. But that said, I mean, if you like, you're going to have some some bad experiences because you don't know how you're going to react on any given day. Um, and like Catherine said, it's really just about talking about it. Um, in the community, we use an acronym called RAC, which stands for Risk Aware Consensual Kink. Um, and the first part of that risk aware uh, is just to define the fact that when we're playing, there's always a risk that something could go wrong. Uh, we're not denying the fact that that risk exists. We're acknowledging that. We're taking steps to mitigate it. Um, but there's always the possibility that something could cross a line a little bit. And hopefully it if it does, it doesn't cross uh, too far and you're able to negotiate, talk about it afterwards, and that can help to deal with this, the trauma. Okay. And you mentioned, Catherine, aftercare. And I imagine that's a very important part of the process as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, Because a lot of times, you know, in, even in, in regular relationships or in relationships where it's like a one night stand or it's not that serious and you're not that involved, you know, it's just like a friends with benefits situation. You don't want to cuddle with the person. You don't want to get too emotionally attached. But in this case, when you have practiced, you know, something alternative or, you know, mm -hmm. something a bit more extreme, you're saying it's absolutely important and necessary. We call this a lifestyle because you want to develop a relationship with that person you're playing with. Yes, there's limit about, you know, if I play with a female submissive, I'm going to tell her. I will not, not fall in love with me because I have my lover. It's Catherine. This is the one with whom I, I am in love. But there's other stuff that's going to develop a friendship, a trust. Uh, the well, like a form of love, but it, it's different. It's, but it's different, different than your life partner. Okay. And this takes time to develop. So this is why uh, compared to, let's say, a dominatrix who basically is like, pay me. Uh, you want a three-hour uh, session? Well, give me my money and after that, uh, get out, you know. Uh, it, it, you have different form of this. Okay. And then speaking of relationships and falling in love, let's say you're somebody single and you're going out and, and playing with someone or you have a dominatrix that you go to. What are the risks that you're going to fall in love with that person or develop feelings for that person? Well, you usually do, especially if, it, if it's someone that um, you play with repeatedly. There, it, It's a very intense um, thing that you're sharing. And there has to be a lot of trust. And after a few scenes, I mean, one of the things about BDSM is, you know, if you have the right person, it just keeps getting better and better. It's not the first time you play with somebody because, you know, as a dominant or as you, you can't go as far. You don't understand. You don't read each other, you know, the, the same as you do after a few times. And, and as the years go on, it, it really does get closer and more intense and, you know, when you're in a, any type of a, a polyamorous relationship, you have to kind of um, compartmentalize your relationship and separate it from, let's say, my life partner to um, a submissive that I've had for, you know, years and years. You know, I've I've had some submissive for like 15 years. So, you know, of course, I, I've got feelings and, and the other way, but there's it's feelings within the constraints of this relationship. That's that's not my boyfriend. It's not my friend. It's my sub or my slave. You know, I don't want them to be my boyfriend or my husband. I, I got that. Thanks. Wow. <laughs> I feel like this conversation could go on and on. I have so many more. I'm sure our listeners do as well. But you're going to be on next month. Absolutely. So save the questions for next month as well. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. Fun. So we have Catherine and Pierre from BDSMcircle.com. How can people connect with you? Uh, our uh, website. The website, uh, 
just go on the website. We have a uh, an email address there, which is basically bdsmcircle at, at mail.com. And okay. if you have any question or, or comment, just write to us. We like yeah, to talk we to love people. To hear you people. Wonderful. Dane, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And how can people connect with you? Uh, so if you're interested in checking out any of my artistic work, you can find it on my website, talkingdogproductions.ca. If you're interested in learning more about the human pup community in Montreal, maybe coming out to some events, you can find us on our Facebook group, Woof MTL. Thank you to our listeners. Thank you guys for tuning in, for texting in your questions. Thank you to David <laughs> Simon for getting this show to air. Tomorrow night, we are going to talk about sexuality and addictions with Sandra Lax. So I want to thank you again for tuning in. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Paris Mansuri. I'm going to speak with you again tomorrow night. You can tune in for the news right now. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to fill your life with passion.